Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to see each of you here this morning. Uh, my, my name is Andy. I'm privileged to be the senior pastor here at Troy UMC. Uh, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet uh, and I don't preach too long, I'll have time uh, to shake your hand uh, as, as uh, we uh, take off this morning. But uh, I do want to welcome you. And if you weren't here last week, we kicked off a, a brand new message series, which uh, Dave already shared a little bit about uh, called Drafted. And our goal uh, I, I like to always put that out there so that we know to what end we're doing this. Uh, but our goal for the next few weeks is really to motivate each of us. Uh, and uh, no matter what our age, no matter what our uh, life status or our spiritual maturity level, uh, but to motivate each of us to answer our call into the body of Christ. Or to use the sports metaphor that we started last week, to get out of the stands and onto the field. Uh, and we learned last week that we're all, and uh, we'll continue to, you'll continue to hear this uh, throughout our series, we're all indispensable parts of God's team. And as a part of a team, though, uh, we have an objective. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, all teams have some sort of, of objective uh, why, why they play, why, why they're in action. They have the same basic goal, if you think about it, right? Um, it's the goal that the St. Louis Blues right now are finally on the cusp of for the first time in their existence, right? And, and, and they're closer than they've ever been during my lifetime and probably most of yours. Uh, something that I can easily connect to as a lifelong Cubs fan. Uh, but but what, what is every team's objective? Um, I, I don't answer it yet. I, I think you'll, uh, you'll appreciate, uh, some of you sports fans, you'll appreciate and recognize this uh, famous sports clip. Well, I'm sure you can, uh, you know what it says, right? Yep, you saw it, right? You play to win the game. You don't just play. You play. You, we, you, you play to win the game. If you don't play, you just retire. Just retire. If you don't want to play, retire. You play to win the game. That's good. You, you ever seen uh, a Mystery Science Theater? That's my version of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, that. That wasn't planned, obviously, but uh, hey, we were highlighting uh, worship uh, ministry opportunities today, right? So perfect opportunity to uh, step in and, and uh, uh, help us out with that. But, um, uh, you know, every team wants to win. Uh, that, that, that's why you play. Um, and here's, here's the definition, though, of winning. Uh, I think this is important. You can follow along in your message notes if you have them. Uh, pure, purely and simply, uh, winning means you're successful or, or victorious. Uh, you, you accomplish your purpose, you achieve your goal, you fulfill your mission. Um, of, of course, winning looks a little bit different depending on your context. If you're a sports team, uh, then you play to win the game, right? And, and the ultimate victory in sports, the ultimate success or achievement um, uh, for uh, particularly collegiate and, and professional teams is, is a championship. And that's why all of the St. Louis uh, region is beside themselves wanting the Blues to finally hoist 
the Stanley Cup. Uh, playing sports, you want to win the competition. Uh, score more points than your opponent does before the time runs out. Uh, but there are other kinds of wins too. Uh, successes and victories. Now, for instance, what, what does it look like to win in your job? Uh, I think if you're employed, if you have a job, uh, whether you're paid for it or not, um, I think it's important to ask yourself the question, what's a win look like for me? Uh, if you're a teacher, a win is like when kids actually learn, right? That's a win. And I know there are all kinds of debates these days over how to measure the results of that learning. But if you're a teacher, you know it when a kid gets it. You know it. You know when you win. If you're a salesperson, uh, you, you win when you make your sales quota. If you're a police officer, you do not win uh, giving tickets. Uh, you, you win by keeping people safe. And if you've got to give a ticket, okay, give it to somebody else. But, uh, uh, you know, keep people safe. That's a win for a police officer, uh, right, to, to keep people safe. If you're in retail, you win uh, when, when customers are satisfied and they are served and you, uh, you earn profits. Uh, when, uh, but how about this? What, what does a win as a parent look like? Uh, a lot of you parents, your kids are back at home uh, away from school uh, now. And so... So, uh, you know, you have more time to win. Uh, but a, a basic win is that your kids grow up and they don't hate you, right? I mean, that's a basic win uh, as a parent. But, but uh, even more basically, you want them to be safe. You want them to be healthy. You want them to uh, arrive to adulthood. Uh, but, but there are other goals that parents, uh, we, we tend to take on, like earning a lot of money to provide for our kids or getting them the best education that they can or, or taking uh, some great family vacations so that we can build memories as a family and uh, help them succeed in sports maybe. And you know, none of these are, are, are bad goals as parents, but they aren't the most important if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, as a Christian, uh, these goals are more important. Like having your kids, uh, gr as they grow, know how much you love them and that they would know how much God loves them. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a pretty good goal as a Christian to have your kids uh, learn to obey you so that it becomes easier for them as they get older to, to obey God. Uh, but I, when it comes down to it, ultimately, uh, our, our goal as Christian parents is that our kids would grow into wholehearted followers of Jesus. And that, that, that is the bottom line goal, to grow more and more like Christ. That that is the greatest win as a parent. Um, uh, but the main question that I want to ask today is, what does it look like to win as a church, as a body of Christ. Well, our, our scripture uh, for today from Ephesians 4 tells us uh, some of what a win for the church looks like. And, and I want to take just a, a few moments to walk through this passage and simply point out some of the characteristics of a win for the church. In other words, what, what's the goal? Uh, what, what are we doing this for? And if you were here last week, um, I, I kind of started this passage already with uh, verses 11 and 12. And, and I just want to reread these in a, a slightly different version than, than Barb read earlier. This can maybe, uh, different versions, sometimes uh, translations, we can get a, a fuller sense of what this, the passage means. Uh, but verse, uh, starting with verse 11 here. Now, these are the gifts 
Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility, verse 12, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And, and last week I shared this passage in context uh, with the, the idea of the role and responsibility of our church staff and our leaders within the church. Um, and their role is to primarily do verse 12 here, to equip God's people, the, the rest of the church. Y'all, I lived in Kentucky for a while. Uh, Y'all, uh, to, to do his work, to build up the church. And right here in verse 12, we not only discover the role of these leaders in the church, but we also uh, find a twofold goal. Uh, first, uh, to do God's work. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Uh, and so what, it, what is God's work? Uh, I think that's a, a fair question to ask, and there are many ways that you can summarize that. Uh, I, I think one, one way you can summarize that is, is uh, by looking at what Jesus, um, at the, the end of his ministry, as he was commissioning his followers, what he sent them out to do. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, uh, uh, chap uh, verses 19 and 20, uh, referred to as the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus said, go and, and uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Uh, or, or as we've uh, shared uh, through uh, Mission 1-8 uh, from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus' very last command before he uh, ascended into heaven, uh, he told his followers, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will uh, uh, tell people about me everywhere. You will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere uh, from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and to the, the very ends of the earth. In other words, one way to understand God's work is is to look at these commissions uh, of Jesus, to, to make disciples, to tell people about him everywhere. I mean, that is, uh, it's hard to summarize God's work, but if you're going to, that's one great way of summarizing the work of God. Uh, but another way to define God's work is to look at the specifics of what Jesus taught. Uh, and and particularly uh, how he taught about God's kingdom, what it means to live in and be a part of God's kingdom. We, we pray in, in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Uh, we, we pray, uh, your kingdom come, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and that's, that's our role as a church, is to help bring about God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, Jesus, Jesus initiated God's kingdom um, in, into this earth, and we, his church, we are his body. We are to continue that. So God's work is also about living into um, and proclaiming Jesus' kingdom values. And our mission here at Troy UMC uh, really, uh, I think, embodies God's work. Our, our mission is to invite people on a journey with Jesus, and, and a journey, if you think about a journey with Jesus, you're, you're coming alongside Jesus. You're, you're learning what it is to be a part of his kingdom. 
And, and the inviting part is kind of like the, the tell people about Jesus everywhere. So it really, I think we, we encapsulate all of it. And when we do his work, when we live out his kingdom and invite people on a journey with Jesus, for us, that's a win. It's a win when that happens. Um, but, but that's only the first part of verse 12. The, the second half of the goal, uh, so we are to do his work, and the second part is, and build up the church, the, the body of Christ. So a second part of that goal is to build and grow the church, which if you think of the church as the people, then inviting people on a journey with Jesus really is. I mean, that, that really is building up the body of Christ. But, but that's not all that we get from this passage either. We, we, we get a little bit more indication of what a win looks like. And I just want to look briefly at verse 13. You know, we are to uh, continue it begins with, this will continue uh, doing God's work, building up the body of Christ. It will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. I just want to bring this up, that one way we know we're winning is when the church experiences unity. And unity is a beautiful thing. Um, and, and personally, I am so thankful for the unity that we experience around Troy UMC. Um, I, I don't take that for granted. I, I, I'm here to uh, remind you not to take that for granted. Uh, maybe some of you have been a part of other churches where, where you, you just see disunity and, and how it just undermines everything. And, and, and it does, and it's, it's disheartening. Um, and we can't take it for granted. And we see you just there, there's so much disunity these days in our nation, um, even in the broader United Methodist Church right now. And, and since uh, General Conference 2019, which was a gathering of, of uh, leaders throughout the United Methodist Church, uh, and it took place in our own backyard here in St. Louis, but since that, uh, which took place in February, there continues to be significant talk in our denomination of schism uh, around issues of human sexuality. And, and a, as a pastor, I get the great privilege, sometimes it's a great curse of getting to join together with other pastors and other leaders uh, in the broader denomination. And ever since February, all of those gatherings are just tension. I, never, I don't look forward to, to going to those meetings anymore because there's just a tremendous tension and, and it's discouraging uh, to me personally. And yet, yet, um, I, I know and I realize and, and I think that, that here at Troy UMC, we have experienced uh, unity, such unity, uh, simply because we've bought into our mission um, and, and what we're really all about, why we exist. And I, I get the sense that we love, as a church, we love inviting people, all, all people. We lo love inviting people on a journey with Jesus and helping them grow in their journey with Jesus. And, and so I just, I just ask you, um, uh, it's in part for selfish reasons because I, I appreciate your prayers and your support, but I, I just invite you to, to pray. Please, would you pray? If you haven't 
already. Uh, continue, please pray for our broader conference uh, of United Methodist Churches, the southern two-thirds of Illinois. There are about 800 United Methodist Churches. Pray for our conference. Pray for our broader denomination, which is worldwide. Uh, and, and I would invite you to pray for us to again become a mission-centered movement again. You know, where we're introducing people to Jesus and seeing their lives transformed as a result. Because right now, uh, we're not winning in that regard uh, because we've become an issue-centered church rather than a mission-centered church. And, and we, we, we might be winning here in our church, and I thank God for that, and we are in many ways. We're, we're winning in our church. Uh, but uh, our, overall, our broader denomination, our broader connection isn't. And, and I think that disunity is at the heart of that. Um, but unity for unity's sake is, is not what we're shooting for either. Even the unity is for a purpose, at least according to the scripture passage. And, and verse 13 continues on. Uh, we, we should continue doing God's work, building up the body of Christ, the church, um, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son so that, here it is, so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You see, the ultimate goal here isn't unity for unity's sake. The ultimate goal is maturity in Christ, becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And the rest of this passage focuses on that. I, I just want to re read this in its completion again. Uh, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And I, I love, I love that, that last verse there. As each part is doing its own thing, it helps the other parts grow. And, and you see in the body of Christ that, um, that there's unity, but not uniformity. That there's unity amidst diversity in the body of Christ. Not everyone does the exact same thing to build up the body of Christ. Now, not everyone uh, behaves in exactly the same way, does the same tasks and jobs. Everyone has their role uh, or uh, position on the team, if you will. Uh, everyone has, has their function uh, on the team. And, and together we win. Um, not, not any one person does it all. Um, and as you might imagine, we work really hard as leaders in this church to live that kind of philosophy of ministry out here. Uh, and I thought it might be helpful uh, to share how our staff team here at Troy UMC is organized and how uh, we each do our own thing. And, and you can see how that contributes, contributes to us all uh, growing together. And, and many of you already know how we're structured as a church. But for some of you, this might, this might be brand new. This might give you some new eyes to see what all happens um, in our church and in our ministry. 
Uh, uh, either way, I think it's helpful to see how this works for our staff because each one's role is to support and equip the rest of the church to do God's work, to build up the body of Christ, to be unified uh, so that ultimately we can be mature in Christ. Uh, so let's start with me. Um, um, uh, I'm the senior pastor here at Troy UMC. That's a nice bald look there. Uh, uh, sweater weather at the time. Uh, but that's uh, my, my, my focus. I can't do it all. Gosh, sometimes I wish that I could, uh, but, but I can't. And my focus, therefore, on this team is really uh, leading our staff team and, and other uh, various leadership teams uh, to cast vision and, and really, you know, steer the direction of our church, uh, primarily through what my primary gifts are, and that is uh, uh, teaching and leadership. Um, so, so I work with our church council, which is our highest decision-making body here at Troy UMC. Uh, I work with the finance team and the, the uh, trustees and the staff parish team, which is like our human resources and, and, and other teams that, that pop up uh, at times for special tasks like uh, our master planning team um, and others. Um, and now on the back of your connection card, uh, Dave already pointed this out, but there's a green section and it says opportunities to serve. And, and this gives you an idea. In fact, I'd invite you to get that out right now. This gives you an idea of all the other areas of ministry within our church that, you know, I'm, you know, buck stops here, you know, way back here with me on a lot of these. Uh, but ultimately there are other staff people overseeing each of these areas as I help to uh, train and coach and support and facilitate what they do. Um, as, as my role. So uh, we're going to just walk through each of these so you can kind of see uh, how our staff team oversees these different areas. Uh, and, and their role is not to do this area. Uh, remember, their role is, yeah, they do some, but their role ultimately is to equip others, equip the rest of the church to do the ministry of these areas. Uh, so let's, let's start with our hospitality teams. Uh, th that's on the top there, our, our greeters and our ushers and our parking team and, and those who prepare the coffee and the donuts. Woo, praise God. Uh, and and uh, uh, what is our welcome center team. Uh, uh, Tim Price is our director of, uh, uh, our pastor of uh, uh, worship and hospitality. And he equips and coordinates uh, the several volunteer leaders of these key hospitality areas, and there are several of them, there are many of them, and, and he connects with and, and equips and coordinates uh, uh, them as they then uh, coordinate with a lot, uh, you know, everybody who's on, we you know, wearing their awesome blue shirt today and, and other days. And you'll actually hear more about those areas next week. Uh, but then uh, worship arts is below that, in including all of our music and drama and tech uh, ministry, including lights and sound and media and video, all that stuff. Um, and, and Tim Price um, and Emily Otwine really provide overall leadership of the worship arts teams. Uh, Tim in the modern services downstairs and Emily in the traditional services upstairs. And they have uh, a tremendous uh, other s uh, staff uh, to uh, support the, those end goals, also including Mike Rozier upstairs, as well as Nick Tipton and Drew Alsman and Joshua Case and, and uh, worship intern Ava Andrews and uh, just, uh, just uh, several folks. And, and they bring support 
uh, for all of our worship services. And I, I just say, yeah, I, this is a great team. Uh, they, they do a, a fantastic job. All of our teams are fantastic. All of our staff are wonderful. Uh, this, this team really just kicks it up a notch. They, they do a fantastic job, and we are, we are blessed to have them. Uh, but uh, next on the list is Journey Kids. Uh, working down the list here. Uh, uh, this, that's birth through fifth grade. And I shared about this uh, area last week that we're actively uh, seeking uh, and looking for our next director. That's the uh, to be determined section. But uh, for now, uh, Lisa Rail, who's our uh, first step uh, preschool uh, director, she is overseeing birth through preschool on Sunday mornings. Uh, and a bunch of the rest of us staff are like tag teaming right now. Uh, to in the yet-to-be-determined <laughs> area there. And you heard a lot about that last week, and thank you for your response. Um, um, if, if you weren't here last week and you are interested in serving in Journey Kids in any way, shape, or form, uh, put that on your connection card, and we'll follow up with you. Uh, Reverend Kurt Stone oversees our student ministries uh, that take place on Wednesday nights, but also on Sunday morning during this hour. Uh, some of the, our students are upstairs now, uh, middle school and high school, um, as, and there are also special events uh, throughout the year. And there are several of you who, um, you know, Kurt doesn't do it all. There are several of you who are youth sponsors and, and volunteers investing in the next generation. And I just want to say thank you. My son, uh, middle school in the fall. So uh, watch out and thank you in advance. Um, but but uh, our, our office administration and communications, uh, that next uh, section there is overseen by several. Uh, Sherry Meyer, uh, Court, she's our office manager. Courtney Bettis, administrative assistant. Uh, Dave DeRemer, uh, director of connections. And, and you might not see them up front that often, but wow, you know, Nothing gets done uh, without uh, these folks, and there are always opportunities uh, throughout the week to serve and to help in the office in a variety of different ways, uh, as well as in connections and communications with uh, photography and videography and other opportunities to serve there as well. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, check that box. Um, uh, Clint Binish coordinates our dinner church in St. Jacob, as well as all of our St. Jacob ministries. Uh, Clint wears a bunch of hats, though. On our team, Clint's like utility player guy. So uh, Clint does, does it all. He's also our uh, young adult leader. He, he leads our youth worship band also. Uh, but, but briefly, regarding dinner church, you know, you may have heard over the last several months, it's, we're just kind of experimenting, trying things out, uh, giving some test runs, and we're on a break right now over the summer. Uh, but in August and September, we're going to uh, begin to kick things off again with once a month uh, dinner church services in St. Jacob. And then October and November, we'll have eight weeks straight, kind of our next trial run of what does this look like on a week-to-week -week basis. And so if you would uh, like to share any of your gifts and time uh, to reaching new folks in St. Jacob, uh, check, check that box. Uh, we also then, the next two are uh, recreation ministry and mission and outreach. And those are both overseen by uh, Pastor David Roderick. Uh, on our staff, and they're, they're, the, he oversees many different volunteer teams. Uh, a, a, a few of them continue on through the year, but others of them are, are just for this season or that season, and, and uh, the, including the missions team, uh, to all the upward uh, basketball volunteers and coaches and all those teams, to summer camp leaders, uh, that uh, rec camp will be starting in just a couple of weeks, and uh, mission trips, uh, so many fun 
uh, and, and oftentimes short-term opportunities to serve in these areas. Uh, Reverend Dan Perry, uh, he is our care pastor, and he does lots himself. He does lots of visits and phone calls and emails and checking in on prayer requests and following up with people and many, many other things related to uh, providing care uh, for our congregation. But he also oversees a volunteer team, a volunteer care team. Uh, some of them send uh, out cards. Some of them uh, prepare meals and deliver meals. Some prepare baskets for uh, new babies being born, and that's happening a lot around here. And there's, uh, as well as people who, who make visits to uh, some of our folks who are shut in and maybe watching uh, this video later or uh, just a, a variety of, of people in our church. Um, and, and so it, this is a growing area of need in our congregation as our congregation grows. And there's no way for any one person or even a, an, a staff team to do all of it. And so if you have gifts of mercy and compassion, uh, if you've been ministered to um, and would like to return that to others, this is a great area of ministry to get connected to and begin to serve in. Um, I also want to uh, briefly mention our journey groups. Uh, because our, our journey groups really are the backbone for growth and discipleship in our church. And we have well over 200 people connected uh, to a journey group. And these journey groups, they provide uh, uh, basic things like friendship and just encouragement, support, connection to a family of Christ in our church, but also uh, really uh, spiritual growth opportunities. And, and oftentimes it's the journey groups that are the front line of care when somebody in the church is going through a difficult time, the first question we ask as a staff is, are they in a journey group? Uh, are, are they connected to others? Because those are, are the first people that we would turn to to provide the support and care and encouragement. So, so uh, Deb Ellis, is, uh, she deserves to be paid, but she is a volunteer who uh, coordinates all of our journey groups and many other things around here. Uh, but she, uh, she resources and supports uh, the group leaders. Um, but I, I hope, I know I just went through that really fast, Ooh, all the way down the green list. Uh, but, but I hope seeing all of these ministry areas helps you get a sense of the wide diversity of teams that we have here at Troy UMC. And, and yet they are all, they're all centered around their particular purpose, which is an indispensable part of our mission of inviting people on a journey with Jesus. And I, I hope, I hope and I pray that uh, that you would respond to God's call to invest yourself in, in our mission by using your gifts and passions that God has given you to be a part of at least one of these teams if you're not already. Um, begin thinking and praying about that and you'll have opportunities throughout this series to say, okay, I'm getting out of the stands and onto the field. Uh, but I want to end by pointing this out. And I feel like I'm putting on my coach hat uh, like for my my uh, kid's baseball team, uh, right? Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk that for a moment and just say this. Winning doesn't just happen. You know, you don't achieve your goals or your purpose by just showing up. It doesn't work that way. You know this. It takes intentionality, it takes focus, and oftentimes uh, sacrifice and self-discipline to uh, fulfill your mission. Sports teams get this, uh, but newsflash, there are so many more important things in this world than sports. 
That's hard for me to say sometimes. But, uh, but, but, but you, you know it takes discipline and effort and focus to succeed at your job. Parents, it takes intentionality and sacrifice to win as parents, to help your kids become wholehearted followers of Jesus. Um, and, and the same goes for the church. And we have to, we have to keep our mission uh, central and, and before us all times or else we'll lose focus. Uh, winning doesn't happen just by showing up. Uh, that, that's why we regularly talk about our mission, why we exist. We, we regularly try to hold up some of our initiatives, uh, mission initiatives. That, that's why you're continually, sometimes you might get sick of it, but you're continually invited to be a part of those things. And, and yes, that requires discipline and it requires giving up other things. It means, means being a team player. And it means at times really intentionally sacrificing. Uh, but, but the great news, you know, we're not treading any new ground here with this. Uh, that, that's what Jesus did. He, he believed so powerfully in his mission. And his mission was to reconcile us to God, to uh, bring us back home into his father's house, to adopt us into his family. He, he believed so much in that mission that he gave everything up for it. He, he laid down his life and was centrally focused on his mission of drawing people to himself, of making disciples and teaching them to live out God's kingdom values in everything that he did. And, and, and he, he calls us to follow him there. Not for our sake, but for the glory of God and for the redemption of this world. We get to be a part of that. You've been drafted. You and I have been drafted into that same mission. And I pray that you would answer your call. You know, one, one final thing here. You know, this weekend, um, particularly tomorrow, but the entire weekend, is set aside in our nation to remember those who laid down their lives for the sake of a mission. A, a mission to preserve freedom. And as a nation, uh, just as a, a church or any other group of people, it takes a central vision and a willingness to sacrifice for that vision in order to sustain it. And that vision for our nation is freedom. And some have modeled Jesus for us by making the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, by laying down their lives for the sake of that vision and the people that vision represents. Um, so for all of you who have a loved one or a friend who gave it all, uh, we, we honor them. And we also want to thank you for the sacrifice that means for you um, in that journey with them. Uh, so let, let's... Let's turn our hearts to God and, and pray together. And ushers, you can prepare to come forward at this time too. Lord God Almighty, um, I mean, we want, we want to thank you for your word that, that shows us what it means to be yours, that shows us what it means to win. Uh, by doing your work, building up your church with such devotion to your mission that, that we would have unity that leads us and others into spiritual maturity, becoming more and more like Jesus. 
And Lord, we pause right now to, to thank you for Jesus' willingness to lay down his life for the sake of that mission. And we pray, God, that you would give us the courage by your spirit to be willing to sacrifice for that same mission that you call us into with our time, with our, with our energy, even our, our finances as we prepare to give back to you a portion of what you've blessed us with. Ultimately, so that others may, may know you and that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, thank you also for the many, many, for the multitudes of men and women who reflected Jesus' love to us by laying down their lives to protect the blessed freedom living in this country offers. I mean, yes, Lord, we acknowledge we have problems as a nation and we do not always reflect you. And we pray for our nation and its leaders that we may better reflect your kingdom values in this great land. But we also pause to thank you and to remember those whose self-giving cost them their lives. To preserve the freedom that we have. Lord, would you bless their families and all who love them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people agreed and said amen.